Welcome to Alessia's Divine Comedy, a journey through Dante's masterpiece, a read-along podcast hosted by me, Alessia Cesana Harris. This is episode 24, Inferno, Canto 24, the second day after 9am. I greatly underestimated what a tongue twister the titles would be with the numbers in Italian. Anyway, good afternoon, or whatever time of the day it is when you listen to this. I can't believe the numbers growing every day, and I'm wondering if I should ask you to subscribe, rate and review this podcast, especially on Apple, so more people can find it, because there seems to be more people out there who want to dig into the Divine Comedy. I wish I could go back to my 16-year-old self and see a reaction if I tell her that people like this book and in fact she'd like it too. She'd be rolling on the floor with laughter or something like that, more interested in talking about some random thing in my space with her friends than doing her homework. I honestly don't know when I became such an academically inclined person. Since I spent seven years in university and now I'm considered a second master and a PhD and I host a podcast about a medieval book as a hobby, but I was none of that when I was younger. So today we are looking at the bulge of the thieves, which is number seven. I'm not sure what to make of Virgil in this canto. The canto opens with a beautiful image used by Dante to express to us how the older poet was reacting to Catalano's words was dejected but then comforted himself and treated Dante with the usual warmth and sweetness that we come to expect of their father-son-like relationship. Then, when Dante is short of breath after climbing the banks of the Bolgia, he has a go at him. Now you must cast aside your laziness, my master said, for he who rests on down or under covers cannot come to fame. And Nico spends his life without renown, leaves such a vestige of himself on earth as smoke will be quits to air or foam to water. Therefore get up, defeat your breathlessness, with spirit that can win all battles, if the body's heaviness does not deter it. A longer ladder still is to be climbed. It's not enough to have left them behind if you have understood, not profit from it. I'd like to know which brand of inhaler they use, because Ventoline doesn't act that fast. I can't believe that Dante went along with it. It's not laziness to need to catch your breath for five seconds, although I guess Virgil spoke for long enough that he defeated his own point. But still, the fact that he felt he had to speak to Virgil in order to mask his fatigue doesn't sit right with me. Humans were created to need rest because if we didn't, we'd convince ourselves of our own self-reliance and never give the burden to the Lord in the way that he asked of us in Matthew 11. It's so bizarre that a journey towards spiritual perfection would contain an episode that goes against that goal. But yeah, don't be like Dante and get advice from a pagan poet. Allow yourself to rest when you need it. Virgil will have another annoying Instagram life coach quote very soon, but I'll skip that and just say that I got down to the other bank, into the new Bolgia, to find a horrible swarm of snakes of all types. This appears to be a reference to Lucan's Pharsalia, and its description of the Libyan desert. That's definitely my mother's idea of hell. 
and Dante still feels the blood drain from his body when thinking about it. We know already that the Bolgia punishes thieves, so I'm interested in the meaning of this contrapasso. The animal has an obvious biblical meaning, that of evil. It appears in Genesis, tempting Adam and Eve, and there is an episode in the Book of Numbers in which snakes attack the Israelites in the desert, and they will appear a couple more times in an allegorical way. I forgot to reference yesterday that Robert Solander's commentary is available on the Dante Lab by Dartmouth College. I'll put that link in today's show notes. It's fast becoming a favourite with me, but the author of the commentary on the Columbia website thinks that his interpretation of the, con- the contrapasses predicated on the theory in the Garden of Need is not fully satisfactory. So far, I have not seen a better one, though. Even the theme of the metamorphosis of Ovid, which is introduced in the following verse about the furnace, does not require a snake. A commentary from a contemporary of Dante, titled L'Ottimo Commento della Divina Commedia, suggests that the snake was the enemy of mankind, and in the same way, the thief is the enemy of mankind. You don't need to have read the political philosophy or the social contract tradition to see why that would be. I think there is no way in which little Catholic boy Dante would not have meant the snakes in the most obvious way. Now, what is interesting is they become ashes and at the bite and return into the former shape as like as a person from those ashes. Also, by the way, Orlando agrees with me on Dante showing Virgil not to be a good guy in this canto and remarks that if Dante was led by St. Thomas, and we can be certain it means Aquinas, not the other ones, the advice there would have been completely different. Anyway, I already alluded to the theme of, of its metamorphosis. It seems really random at first, but if you dig into it, what Dante is showing in these verses is that the process of metamorphosis creates a lack of relation between the different stages. If you think of a butterfly, you'll have a cocoon without a shawn, and the larva becomes a butterfly. The larva is an animal in its own right, and not just a baby butterfly. That's why the process is called metamorphosis and not growth. When we were born, we were a baby, and now we are adults, and we are just the same, only grown. We were human all along, from the womb to the tomb. If vampires and werewolves existed, they would be examples of human metamorphosis. You'd be yourself, but also not yourself in the way you were as a human. According to Warren Ginsberg in a paper published by Cambridge University Press on their website, this lack of a relation in the process of metamorphosis mirrors the way in which thieves severe the relations that are coordinated by particular justice, hence the punishment in which the thieves are constantly severed from relations between each other and with their own selves. He argues that this is also true of the other punishments in a way. The damned have all become some sort of perverse parody of what God had made them to be. The man we see attacked by the snake and returning from the ashes is Avanni Fucci, who says he hasn't been dead for long. He was a black well, originally from Pistoia known for his bad temper and eagerness to be involved in raids and all sorts of bad stuff. He admits to being behind the robbery of the cathedral in Pistoia, of which 
others had been accused, although I'm not sure where Dante had that information from. He then prophesies that Pistoia will exile the Black Wells and Florence the White Ones. There will be a war, and it will end with Moroello Malaspina leading the exiled Black Wealth of Pistoia to victory against the White. He says he's telling this to Dante to hurt him, but it appears that Dante was a close friend of um, Moroello. Perhaps he implies a betrayal, since Dante would have been sympathetic to Pistoia's White faction. It appears that, as the final of nine personal prophecies, the intent was to wound Dante in some kind of revenge. There seems to be an insinuation that they knew each other in real life anyway. The canto ends very abruptly, and quite bitterly for a chapter of I uh, Register, which to me suggests we haven't seen the last of Varnifucci yet, but we'll see if I'm right tomorrow. See ya! Thank you for listening to today's episode of Alessia's Divine Comedy, A Journey Through Dante's Masterpiece. Thank you also to Alexander Nakarada for the music, which is fun for 10 or adds if it was not meant as a Roman numeral, and is available in the public domain. You can find me on Twitter and Instagram at Alessia underscore Sheik or on my blog www.sheikandcatholic.com.